chapter number 10. I think I made the statement back uh, earlier about the book of Proverbs. I know I've said it several times that uh, sometimes it changes subjects, you know, as fast as a telephone book. And, and, and this chapter here is, is, I think, a good example of that. And so when I came to this chapter here, because it moves from one subject to another and seemingly, at least in my mind, uh, without any pattern... I just decided that we'll just go verse by verse and we're not going to have three points or ten points or uh, anything else. The one thing we do know is that all of these verses in some way relate to the subject of wisdom and, uh, and we can see from this how it affects the various areas of our life. And so we're just going to start in verse 1. We'll not get through the chapter this week, I'm sure but we'll see how far we get. Verse number 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Now, let me make a statement that, and you need to get this if you don't get anything else, not just tonight, but you need to get this throughout the study of the book of Proverbs. This verse, to me, is evidence of the fact that a proverb is not a promise. A proverb is not a promise. Proverbs are probabilities, not promises. Now, the reason I say this is so important, because for years and years and years, preachers have used Proverbs 22.6 as a stick, beating people over the head with it, saying God's promises, if you train up a child of the way he should go when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That's a promise of God, and your kid doesn't turn out right. It's because you failed. And I'll tell you, I, I literally just like to, <laughs> I just like get my hands on some of those preachers that have beaten people down with that, that think they know it all and are so dumb that they don't understand that a proverb is a probability, it is not a promise. And the chances are that's the way it's going to happen. Now, I mentioned that here because I want you to notice very carefully what he says. A wise son maketh a glad father. Now, do you think that's true in every instance? I don't. I know some dads that are absolute jerks, and they've got, they've got godly sons uh, sons that, you know, that, that, as we might say, really have their act together. They're in church and they're living for the Lord and their daddy is unsaved and he's a complete nut and, uh, and, uh, uh, he's not glad about it. He might be complaining about it that they're going to church. And there are some other verses that are very similar to this that we'll see later on during our study. Uh, let, let me tell you, there are fathers who take great pride in the fact that they were responsible for giving their son their first drink. I'm going to make a man out of him, you know, and uh, and give him his first drink of alcohol and things like that. Well, and, and notice it says here, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Normally, that's true. I mean, if she's got a lick of sense, that's true. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of times, there are foolish children, and it's, it's not a big deal to their mother. They don't care. That, you know, the kid acts a fool and, and does things, gets in trouble, and so on and so forth, doesn't care anything about God. Uh, the mother's just 
fine with that. It's no burden to her. There's not a heaviness to her. And so you can see that you cannot take a proverb and turn it into a promise unless, unless there are other verses that substantiate that. There are certain proverbs that are based upon promises that are given in other places of the Bible. Now, just because it's not a promise doesn't mean, well, if it's not a promise, you know, I'm not even going to mess with it. Well, that's not very smart. I mean, you, listen, you don't stand a chance hardly of your kid turning out right if you don't bring them up in the way they should go. Your best chance of your children turning out right is to bring them up in the way they should go. Not in the way they want to go, not in the way you think they want to go, but bring them up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from that. When we stop and think about children and how a child's, uh, a child's behavior can bring either ple- pleasure or pain to the parents. Uh, and, and if I had all of the teens over here tonight, I would really bear down on this point. They have absolutely no idea what a great pleasure it is to mom and dad whenever they succeed. And they, they, they don't have a clue to how much it hurts mom and dad whenever they go the way of the world. It absolutely tears your heart out. And if they cared anything at all for their parents, I mean, just leave God out of the picture for a minute. If they really cared anything at all about their parents, they'd be on their best behavior instead of having that attitude, I'm going to live as I please, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And uh, so, anyway, the wise son... Uh, normally, normally is the delight, the joy of his father. Verse 2, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. Now, boy, it would be easy to find some examples of this. Notice treasures of wickedness, that is, talking about treasure gotten by, you know, by talking about some of the ill gain, in other words, cheating, stealing, whatever it might be. And immediately two word names come to my mind, and that's Achan and Ahab. And, I, you know, I think about their situations and how Achan, you know, takes what God forbid them to take, and he buried it in his tent, and, boy, he, he, th- <laughs> he thought he had gotten by with that. And then I think about Ahab, you know, and... Uh, Oh, Ahab wasn't satisfied, you know, with what he had, and he was determined that he was going to get more. Well, he ended up being miserable as a result of it and lost his kingdom. And you and I both know that some of the richest people on the face of the earth are some of the most miserable people in all of the world. We look at the entertainers and, uh, uh, and the athletes and people like that. Uh, there was a uh, little clip in... That, that I read, I can't remember whether it was in the paper or what about, uh, was it Warren Sapp, wasn't it? Yeah, that during the Super Bowl got arrested for soliciting a prostitute. And, 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 but anyway, the article was talking about the fact here's a man that's made all of those millions of dollars over all of the years, and, and now he's broke. And now he's broke. And there's so many people that have had so much and... Uh, and, and now they're miserable. Treasures of wickedness. You know, a lot of people 
they'll do absolutely anything they can in order to get ahead in this world. And they just, you know, they dismiss it by saying, oh, that's just business. That's the way, you, you know, you, you, you do business. It's kind of like some of these car dealers, you know, bait and switch type stuff. And, well, you think you're getting one thing and you're getting something else. And, you know, whatever it is, they have no scruples when it comes to cheating people. And we've got to be careful how we deal with one another because he says, notice, the treasures of wickedness, the gain that you get uh, by wicked ways, he says, it profits nothing. It might seem to at first, but in the end, you're going to be the loser. But, now notice here's the flip side of the coin, but righteousness delivereth from death. Righteousness not only brings blessings, but what? Longevity. And again, here's another example of how, uh, you know, our very lives are at stake based on the manner in which we live. Righteousness will cause you to live longer. And the amazing thing is that, you know, so many people that seem to be so concerned about their safety, they lock the doors at night. They might have a guard dog. They've got an alarm system. They, they're packing heat, you know. I mean, they've got a gun on them, uh, you know, 24 hours a day. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they're ready. They're, they're going to keep themselves safe. I mean, hey, the safest thing you can do is plant yourself in the center of God's will because there's no safer place than that anywhere on this earth. And so he says, righteousness delivereth from death. In other words, you can... Uh, you can live longer as a result of living right. Verse 3, The Lord will not suffer, that is, He will not allow the soul of the righteous to famish. That, that's just a good example of the fact that God cares for His own. And certainly, David had that in mind when in Psalms 37, and this, this wonderful statement here in verse 25, He says, I have been young, and now am old, and yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. What a marvelous statement that is. As he looks back over his life, and, and, and he says, from, based on his own observation, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their seed begging for bread. And every time I read that, I always think of, what Jesus said in Matthew 6:33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And uh, how thankful that we ought to be that we know that in, in the doing of God's will that we're going to receive what we need. It will not always be what we want because, you know, none of us are as smart as God, and there are going to be a lot of times that things that we think we need and others tell us we need those things. And there is a sense, there is a sense in which certain things are needed. But God does not give those things to us until the appropriate time. So, you know, we get what we need for that particular time in our life. And that's not to say that God won't give them to us later. You know, like somebody has well said, you know, that God always answers prayer, you know, it's either yes or it's no or it's later, you know. Later on, God has something better in mind later on. 
And so we, we can have that hope and joy in our heart in knowing that, you know, the economy bottoms out. People talking about the job situation. I mean, now this is really rough on some people. Brother Jeff came in the other day and was talking about all of the layoffs. Fortunately, he didn't get laid off, but uh, uh, they changed their work hours around, some things like that. I, I don't think he's getting as many hours as he did, but but if I remember right, it's like a hundred hundred men got laid off, and that's just in that one place. And, and I'll tell you, you can be tough going through times like that. And boy, that's whenever we just need to anchor our soul on the solid rock of God's promises and depend on what He says. Now, notice, but He casteth away... Now, this is the other side of this coin. He, that is, God casteth away the substance of the wicked. That word substance is interesting, and generally whenever we think about that, we automatically, our mind goes to you know, material things, his substance, whatever it, it it might be, the actual literal meaning of that word, and while it would include that, but the literal meaning of the word is desire. And, and the point is that wicked people crave things that they're never able to enjoy. It says, he casteth away the substance of the wicked. They uh, they, 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 they never enjoy the things that they've been living for. And generally what happens is they end up blaming someone else. Uh, you know, instead of admitting, well, you know, I've been out of the will of God for the last year, and as a result of that, why, it, 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 you know, I've robbed myself of the blessings of God. He's had to withhold them in order to correct me. Instead of doing that, why, it's like somebody mentioned just a while ago, about blaming God, you know, why is God letting this happen to me? And that's why we keep saying problems always make us either better or bitter, one of the two. And a lot of times we try to hide that bitterness. We try to, you know, try to cover it up and pretend like that everything's all right. When deep down in our heart, we know that it's not. We're bitter. We're dissatisfied. We're angry about the fact that God did not give us what we, uh, what we desired. And, and sin always ends up costing us. Notice verse 4. And this is a good example. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. Uh, I think if I put that in modern day English, I would say laziness makes a loser out of people. That's the best translation I know. Laziness makes a loser out of people. And, and you and I both know a lot of people, you know, that never can seem to get ahead in life. And one of the main reasons is because they're too lazy to really work. I mean, hey, I, I was talking a while ago about, you know, praying. And, and uh, I, I can remember starting out as a young preacher and how difficult it was for me to take anything from the church. Uh, I mean, I, I was working more than 40 hours a week at a secular job in the church. You know, they were giving me, you know, what they could, which was almost nothing. But it was really difficult for me to take anything from them. And, and, and if we had a work day, it, it made no difference whether we were putting on shingles or laying cement block or whatever we were doing. You know, I, I was there. I never wanted any of the people, especially the men, I never wanted them to think, you know, he wants, he's expecting us 
to do this, and he's not willing to do it himself. And so I went to the extreme in trying to prove to them that I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And so I got out there and worked along side by side with them. At, at this stage of my life, let me just kind of tell you and why I was stumbling around verbally a while ago and, and talking about things I'd like to talk about more, but I can't and I won't. At this stage of my life, one of the most difficult things for me that I'm dealing with right now is the fact that I can't do all of the things that I used to do even a few years ago. I can't do it. And as hard as I try, uh, as hard as I try, I still worry about what you think, the church. And, and nobody's given me any reason to worry. I couldn't ask for the church to do any more. That's why I thank God so much for Brother Kenneth and Brother Ron and the load they take off of me. And, and I know, listen, I know there, I know there are preachers older than 73. Somebody said, I know a preacher. He's 80 years old. And he's still going. Boy, he's a fireball. What difference does that make whether I'm 50 or 80? You know, whenever your body gets to where you can't do what you used to do, you still can't do it. Forget that age stuff that you see. Uh, <laughs> you got it? I, I, you know, I, I just can't do it. Now, so when he says here, notice, he becomes the poor that deals with a slack hand. Laziness makes a loser out of people. We've got to remember, however, that we might look around and assume that somebody's lazy and they're not lazy. It's just they're limited. And they're not going to come out and tell you what it is that it set limitations upon them. We had a member of our church a few years ago, and I'm not mentioning the name, nearly all of you would know this fellow, that had some serious health problems. By the way, we've got members right now that I'm not liberty to mention it, to ask me not to. We've got members that have very, very, very serious health problems. And uh, I'm talking about the experiences you can get. And, uh, and so often we look at somebody like that and think, well, you know, man, they've missed last year three Sundays. They must be backslidden or something. You, know, you just don't know what their limitations are, you see. Well, I'm getting off of the point here. He becomes poor that deals with the slack hand. You end up, you know, you don't lose. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. In other words, hard work pays off. The whole point of this is that he's trying to get across to his son, get across to us, that there is a reward when you do your best. It is going to pay off sooner or later. You just do your best. You don't have to outdo somebody else. You just do the very best that you can, and uh, and eventually you're going to prosper as a result of that. Hand the diligent. We've talked about that word diligent before, meaning do the best you can, do all you can, how you can, as fast as you can. And that means putting everything into what you've done. In fact, one of the verses I often use over in the Ecclesiastes at funeral services where uh, Solomon said, Do with all of thy might the things that thy hand findeth to do. That's my mom's, you know, she got it from somebody and you've all heard it. You know, if a job 
doing well. And uh, the better will be our attitude is by hands of the diligent. Now, verse 5. Verse 5. He that gathereth in the summer, in summer, is a wise son. But he that sleepeth in the harvest is a son that causeth shame. Now, all of this has to do with taking advantage of opportunities. And, and the wise farmer is going to, to gather the crop, right? Would have been pretty stupid to go out there, you know, and break the ground, plant the crop, and watch over it and everything, and then never harvest the crop. Just leave it there. Uh, but notice it says gather it in the summer. And so there, there's something else that comes into play here, that the crop is to be gathered, but it's to be gathered at the appropriate time. And again, it gets back to taking advantage of the opportunity when the time is right and timing is everything. And, you know, it would be foolish to do otherwise. When I was pastoring in Tennessee. Most of our men were farmers. They either raised cotton or soybean. And so uh, we had to plan our revival meetings and everything else around you know, what they were doing in the field, whether it was harvest time or whether it was uh, planting time or whatever it was. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, you know, we could schedule the revival any time we want, but I'll tell you, whenever it came harvest time, it didn't make any difference what you had going. It was all hands on deck and everybody was out in the field. They had to get out there and get it then because sometimes just waiting a few days and the weather changes and what have you, and it might cost them most of their crop. And so we need to learn to take advantage of the opportunities. And so he says, you know, he that gathereth in the summer is wise, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. In other words, if a man doesn't, doesn't reap the harvest, he loses the crop. And in doing so, he loses the benefit of all of his labor. In other words, he doesn't just lose what is there in the field. He loses that all right. But he loses the benefit of all of the labor that he's put in this so far. All of that is for naught. All because he did not reap the harvest at the appropriate time. And... Uh, not only that, but there's uh, another problem that arises out of this. So it's threefold. He loses the crop. He loses the labor that he's put into it. But then he doesn't have anything for the winter. And, and you know, whenever it comes winter time, and the, and the cupboard is empty, and, you know, he has nobody to blame but himself. And you know, in this, there's a, an awesome lesson for you and I in relationship to the church. In taking advantage of the opportunities that we have to remember Jesus saying that we must work, you know, he said we must work while there's yet day for the night comes when no man can work. And so if we sleep during the harvest, we end up uh, out of business, so to speak. And, and we need to be busy about the master's business. And God gives us opportunities, but those opportunities are limited. They're not going to be there forever. And we need to capitalize on, on, on each and every opportunity that we have to reach someone to Christ. And you'll never know how good it 
does my heart. You know, whenever we take our prayer request and somebody, you know, raised their hand up, said pray for so-and-so, they're sick. And that's great. That's exactly what we're going to be doing. But it's just something, something really special when somebody said pray for so-and-so. They're lost. They're lost. And, and the reason I say that's so special to me because I've seen this happen, and I know you have. You know, in church prayer, where time and time again, you might have 50 prayer requests, and every one of them would have, have to do with something other than salvation. And nobody, nobody mentioned anyone being in need of salvation. And we, we certainly need to be praying for people to be Praying for them, and also praying that God open up doors of opportunity. During the testimony of the Holy Ghost, this mother came to that opportunity that the first time. But there was an opportunity there. The door was open. That door would have been shut. They dropped.
Well, in the next week, we'll pick up in verse 7, 